how can I learn from you? How do we build this fire, this tool? You know, it's social curiosity. How do I create strong relationships with the people that are in my kid, in my community, so that I can actually survive? And what I'm saying is that, you know, curiosity is all those things to help us to survive. It is those tools, but it's also a tool that helps us to come most alive. And there's a difference there. It's not just about surviving. It's about truly coming alive. And that's what the book is about. It's about how to use curiosity to really just awaken that part of your life that is craving connection and deepening into relationships with self and others and even the divine for some of us. How do we actually heal through some of the hardships and the hard moments of transition that we've all gone through? Hey friends, welcome to The Good Life with Michelle Lamoureux, a show for women in midlife who want to live happier, healthier, and more meaningful lives. I'm your host, Michelle Lamoureux, a self-love coach and the author of Design a Life You Love, and together we're going to be doing just that. Each week, I bring on world-class experts, best-selling authors, leading entrepreneurs, and also do solo casts with the intention of inviting you to get connected to what you really desire from your life. This show is produced with love every week. There's inspiration and actionable tips in every episode because I want to see women playing a starring role in their lives instead of living on the sidelines. Be sure to join the Good Life Community newsletter over at thegoodlifecoach.com for more inspiration and tips to live your best midlife. And make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back. We have an amazing interview lined up for you today. We are going to be talking about the power of curiosity to connect, heal, and transform our lives with Scott Shigeoka. Scott is an internationally recognized curiosity expert, speaker, and the author of you guys, an amazing book that brought me to tears and is so powerful and important right now. It's called Seek how curiosity can transform your life and change the world. He is known for translating research into strategies that promote positive well-being and connected relationships around the globe, including at the UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and through his groundbreaking courses at the University of Texas at Austin. Welcome, Scott. I'm so excited you're here today. I'm really excited too. (laughs) My favorite word. I love curiosity. Oh, tell me, like, what? What's your relationship with curiosity? What's Uh, the? Yeah. I am. I think you. Well, I can't speak for every podcaster. I have deep curiosity, Mm. which is why I think I love what I do. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. I read so much. I always want to take in information, and I think for me, maybe it's a way of making sense of the world, Mm. um, Mm. of connecting Mm. to others, of connecting to ideas. Mm, mm. Uh, I love learning. Yeah. Yeah. I can sense that from you. And yeah. also the the inner world too, the world that's inside of ourselves, right? Not just the one that's outside of us. I, that's one of the things I love about curiosity is it's this tool to just go inward and to really understand myself, my wants, my needs, you know, what makes me tick, you know, what makes me come alive and who helps me to flourish, you know, and that's really just a process of, of learning and, and understanding ourselves. So. So cool. I'm just so happy to be in conversation. And I agree. I think 
podcast hosts, journalists, storytellers, like people who love getting out there and exploring and asking the deep questions and living the deep questions. Those totally. are definitely curiosity ambassadors. You're one of them for sure. Yes. And we <laughs> might get into what a seeker is, but I think I'm a seeker. I don't know. I don't know if I, I think can you give are, myself yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. that title, but um, based on your definition, I'm like, yeah, that, and I think that a lot of the women listening are also seekers. So we'll have to yeah. explain to them what that is. But um, curiosity is that like, how do you make a career out of that? When you were, when I read, it, I was like, he's a curiosity expert. I'm like, I want to be a curiosity expert. How do well, you, you kind do of that? are? You kind of are a curiosity expert. You you have made a living out of that. I mean, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, similar to you in a lot of ways. You know, I, um, you know, came up as a host, and um, I've, I've interviewed a lot of folks. Really thought about the power of questions to open people up and and share their true and real stories. Um, so I've done that um, in a bunch of different ways. I traveled the country for this show called Made in America um, to Tennessee, to Georgia, you know, to all of these different uh, places, meeting real people and understanding, you know, what are their their beautiful, incredible, hard, challenging stories of, you know, surviving domestic violence and intimate partner violence and, you know, taking their kids and finding a new home and, you know, building their own companies and being able to provide for their kids and their families and sort of defy, you know, this uh, relationship that did not serve them and harmed them and their family and their kids. And just, it just like seeing these stories of really, really beautiful humans just overcoming so much and realizing, wow, like we have the capacity to to go through and face the hard things and then come out on the other side, a completely transformed and new person. And so I love that journey is, you know, it's not a single arc that happens on a lifetime. It, it just yes. happens. It's cyclical. It happens like over and over and over throughout our lifetime. And um, yeah, so my, my curiosity journey is really as a storyteller. And, and, you know, I worked as a journalist at the Washington post. Um, I wrote about music. That was like a big part of my career. I love music. I think it's such a universal and connect as you shaking your head. Like, yes, yes, yes. I mean, it is, it's such a universal connecting force, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know if you would agree with that, but I, yeah, totally. huge, huge part of connection. And um, some of my best memories are like being young in Hawaii and doing karaoke, you know, doing like, you know, like in, in a little room and with all your family or family friends and everyone's just like laughing and singing songs and connecting. It's just such a powerful connective moment. I think we need so much more music, so much more song, so much more uh, dance, you know, in, in our lives um, as a way of connecting our, ourselves. But I've also like thought about it as a researcher too, as someone that's, you know, really exploring what, what happens in our brain when we're curious and what happens in our relationships when we're curious and what could this mean for our society right now? Because as everyone that's listening, as we were just talking about before we hit record, you know, the world is in a really, um, a place of fracturing right now. Like relationships are, uh, yeah, they're just very fragile right now. Um, there's a lot of othering and dehumanization that's happening, a lot of disconnection, loneliness, isolation. Um, so, you know, that's really important to me because, you know, I grew up really feeling those things throughout my entire life, feeling othered. And I, it's, it's such a devastating thing. And I just don't want anyone to feel that way. So a lot of my work is driven by how do people feel really seen and heard and feel like they really matter and not feel that experience of being othered. So that's how I made a career out of curiosity is just like asking questions and caring about the world and the people I love and wanting to extend that, you know, outside of my circle of compassion, you know? Um, yeah. I love it. 
when you were talking, it made me think a couple of things. One is, yes, I think music connects us to our humanity. I think humor connects us to our mm, humanity. Love that. Yes, absolutely. And <laughs> I think what you're doing is so timely and also timeless. Curiosity mm. is a connection back to our humanity. Mm, mm. And your book is so needed right now. And I don't mm. think it's ever not going to be needed. So yeah. I want women listening today to like walk away with how we can play with curiosity. And I think of curiosity as play, like the, the, yeah. the energy of a toddler totally. and their like passion yes. for like picking stuff up and this is for me, or this isn't for me, or this is not for me now, but maybe it will be for later. Like just, Absolutely. just having fun with it, that sense yeah. of play with it. Curiosity is lighthearted. It's playful. It is energetic. We actually know from the research that when you are curious, you release dopamine. That's a neurotransmitter that we release when we also are having sex or when we're eating really delicious food. You know, like it's also, it's called the happy hormone. Dopamine is called the happy hormone for a reason. It is a pleasurable experience. And that's what I always like to remind people is. I'm not asking you to, you know, do something that's grueling here. <laughs> like I'm asking you to do something that's just as fun as eating that delicious meal at your favorite restaurant. You know, I'm I'm saying curiosity is pleasurable. It releases dopamine. It, and you feel it when you actually think about the experience of being curious with your friends, with your family, with your kids, with your colleagues. You really think about it. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I got curious. I started asking them questions. They lit up. Then they started asking me questions. And then it was like this back and forth joy spiral <laughs> of, of just connection. And you're just vibing. You're like, oh my gosh, two hours has gone by, you know? And we've just been so deeply enmeshed in conversation. I mean, that is when curiosity is most alive in us. You know, it yes. should feel like that childlike, joyous expression like you're talking about. So absolutely, you know. Yeah. And, and it's, it makes sense. I mean, we're, you know, we have this, the curiosity, this desire to know and learn things, this search for understanding. That's what curiosity is, right? It, you know, our ancestors needed that, you know, not just to like figure out where the water source was or where food is, <laughs> or can I eat that berry or that mushroom? You know, it's also, you know, how can I learn from you? How do we build this fire, this tool, you know, it's social curiosity. How do I create strong relationships with the people that are in my kid, in my community so that I can actually survive? And what I'm saying is that, you know, curiosity is all those things to help us to survive. It is those tools, but it's also a tool that helps us to come most alive. And there's a difference there. It's not just about surviving. It's about truly coming alive. And that's what the book is about. It's about how to use curiosity to really just awaken that part of your life that is craving connection and deepening yes. into relationships with self and others and even the divine for some of us. How do we actually heal through some of the hardships and the hard moments of transition that we've all gone through? I mean, those are the things that I'm very, uh, like, very excited about. And I've learned through my journey, through my research, through the interviews I've done that curiosity has a potent, you know, uh, is a potent tool for all of that. So... Yeah. Well, you went on a journey across yeah, the country. Yeah, speaking of journeys, yeah, yeah. Yes. And you put yourself in places in the country and in situations where you knew you were not going to be around people yeah. who had the same belief systems. And you had friends saying like, don't go to that Trump rally. You're going to get, yeah. somebody's going to beat you up or you're going to yeah. get shot. Um, you write in the book, oddly enough, it was an overwhelming amount of hate that made me pick up pack up my decade-old Prius to the brim and set off on a cross-country trip in 2019. I wanted to feel less scared and angry all the time. I've always lived by the motto, driven by love. 
And this was a chance to push back on the hate that had seemingly infected the very air we breathed. This was a time when our relationships and special fabric were being ripped apart. And yeah. I so feel you on that. Yeah. That's how yeah. I was feeling like back in 2019. And that was before even COVID. Mm. Mm. Probably it was before COVID hit, right? When you mm. were driving yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm like, I'm curious to hear too, and I can share my story too, but like what you... You were saying that it was resonant to you. Like, could you share more about that? Like, what what was striking a chord with you? I think I'm a highly sensitive person. Yeah, same. And so energetically, I was feeling the disconnection of the fabric of humanity. Literally yeah. feeling like, because all... Uh, Growing up, so I'm, I grew up in this, like, I'm 52, I'll just say that. So I'm Gen X. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you kind of watch politics and different things. And one of the things that I remember, like John McCain saying, he said, you know, you could be arguing with somebody yeah. across the aisle, but then you'd go get a beer with that person. Yeah. People yeah. weren't getting beers with that person yeah. anymore. And I think mm -hmm. that like, mm -hmm. everything got too polarized. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. COVID hit. And that's when I was like, oh gosh, this is getting worse. Like now people yeah. aren't talking to their families. Like I didn't realize the yeah. family structure could get ripped apart so yeah. easily over, yeah. uh, you know, a vaccine or like, mm. you know, so it was politics and then yeah. it was, and then even the vaccine got politicized somehow. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. It should be a health yeah. issue, not a yeah. like a, a political issue. And yeah. so I just... I was like, we're going in the wrong direction. So yeah. that was my experience. Yeah, everything's getting politicized nowadays. Everything. You know, like, everything is just like, it's and nobody like wants to talk. They're afraid yeah. to talk. It's a vacuum. It's really, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it not only silences people or creates fear around speaking, um, but it also, like you said, it, you know, it ends relationships. People are blocking people on social media, you know parents aren't seeing their kids anymore, you know, kids aren't seeing, you know, different family members anymore. It's, it's, you know, siblings anymore. That's heartbreaking. I mean, it's, it is without so the fabric of the family, where, yes. what do you have left? Like that's yes. like, that is the heart yeah. of, of a country. Actually, it starts within the family unit and bringing that love out versus that polarization and hate out. So that's, yeah. that's what I was feeling. So tell, yeah. tell us <laughs> about that trip. And yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So in 20, yeah. So in 2019, I went on a journey across the country. I was feeling much of the same things that you were just naming and um, just also feeling like I have to do, like, I need to figure out how to heal and how to come back together in, in, in my family and the communities I'm in. And just to see if there was a way for society to do this, because, you know, we can't keep heading in this direction. It's just, it's, it's just not going to lead to a, no. a place of uh, where we're all thriving. And so um, I went on this journey across the country and I was just like powered by my curiosity. And like you said, you know, folks heard where I was going and then they saw me. And for those who are just listening in, you know, I'm like an extremely queer. I dress very flamboyantly often. Um, I'm, you know, Asian American. I'm, you know, pretty progressive, I would say. And, you know, all of those sort of identities that are just a part of what makes me me, by the way, that is not my full identity. I'm also, you know, grew up in an intergenerational, um, you know, household. I'm also from Hawaii. I'm, I deeply care about the values of family. I am, you know, like there's so much richness and nuance and complexity to me as is there about anyone else, you know, in our country. So I, I went off wanting to see 
are the things I'm hearing, these stereotypes really from other people or what I'm hearing off of the news and these like two minute captures, there's gotta be more to this story. There has to be more (laughs) humanity here that I'm just not getting personally. So I went off even though my friends were really fearful and they're like, oh my gosh, you're you're going to that side of things. It was very much an us versus them and still is in in a lot of different ways. Um, Not just in politics, but, you know, across many different um, issues from the generational divide. It's like, okay, boomer, or like these entitled Gen Z millennials, or, you know, the the generation, the ageism, the generational divide is really present today. I think, you know, religion, there's an interfaith struggle that's happening right now that's like very sort of scary because you're talking yeah. about the heart of people's faith traditions and yeah. that is a big part of what makes a person who they are and if you're not willing to turn to them with curiosity and really understand that part of them for many people that's like not even understanding them at all <laughs> you know like you're not you're not seeing them they, they don't feel totally. heard they don't feel understood so you know i i just looked even beyond politics like this is happening in so many different way. So I was just like, I'm going to talk to as many people as I can. I'm going to be fully myself and just totally genuine in my like decades old Prius, which is a super California cliche. And I'm just going to try to get invited to dinners and talk (laughs) to people in the lines of these rallies and go to Republican like hangouts on meetup.com, you know, like just throw myself in there. And, you know, I was definitely afraid, especially in the beginning But it was interesting because the more and more that I actually had conversations with people who are much older than me or much younger than me or people who were in different faith traditions than me or people who voted differently than me in the last presidential elections, you know, I started to see them as more than just that. I saw, started to see their full humanity, to hear their stories, to hear their, the, their embarrassing stories, to hear their joys, to, to hear their love for music. Oh my gosh, we shared different musical interests. We had all of these similarities as well and differences, you know, but, but we, we started to see each other as more than just these caricatures that were sometimes made to believe that another person is based on who they love or how they vote. And so that was so beautiful because as I went on in the journey in the later half of it, I just got less afraid. I was less anxious all the time. Like coming into these conversations, I was like, I'm ready. Like I have such a full <laughs> spectrum of, you know, the differences that exist in the in the community of those who voted for Trump that, you know, I know I'm going to meet so many different kinds of people. It's just like meeting someone at a, at a conference. You know, you just, and many of those people I met might've been the same folks, you know, there's overlap. And yes. so I started to see you know, that I'm not going to judge you based on the assumptions I have. I'm not going to judge you based on these stereotypes I have of you. And I'm not going to, most importantly, just like try to tell you who I am and my point of view in this moment. What's really, really important is me to just listen, to understand where you're coming from, to be truly curious from an open-hearted place. And often what I found is that like actually made them want to be curious towards me. That wasn't the goal, but that's what happened. And so that was a really beautiful thing too. And they got to learn about me. And sometimes I think they, they, you know, and I was told that they had, some of them had very little exposure or contact to someone who is like me. So I think it was a win for both of us. You know, we got to learn about a different part of humanity by really listening and being curious to one another. So did you tell them like you packed up your car and this is why you're here? Like, yeah. did you have a writing assignment or like, was this no, just I, your own just, personal yeah. project? It was a personal project. Yeah. I, I do this usually every seven years. So it's kind of like <laughs> okay, the whole skin you're shedding, so young. You're the skin so young. shedding, the skin yeah. shedding of the snake, you know? So I, I did one, 
it's like almost seven years before that, I just moved to Iceland and just like went over. Oh, and that was supported by a fellowship. But, you know, I, I like to kind of shake things up to kind of get out of the comfort of the routine. Not that routine is bad, yes. but I think when we get too comfortable in it, we don't, we don't, we start to move away from discomfort, which can be a, an area for us to grow. Right. So it's just a great exit. And also I was at the same time doing research, um, a translating research at UC Berkeley's Critical Design Center, where I was learning about all of these practices at UC Berkeley's, uh, at UC Berkeley on how do we bridge our differences? So I felt a little bit also disconnected as someone in this university that wasn't going out to actually, you know, apply the research. So that was another motivating factor, but I know I didn't get like a grant or like funding or something. This is bad you know, though, but you got your book. Yeah. You got yeah. I got, yeah, yeah. 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 Just using my savings. And I mean, that's why I lived out, you know, yeah, that's why I was for yourself. Finishes, you know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You weren't yeah. doing it for a grant, yeah. right. Needing the grant. No, um, no, no. What surprised you? What did you like mm. any, there's that fun story with the optometrist and then the people screaming at you. Yeah. I mean, it's not fun, but yeah. The, the optometrist was interesting because I, I think I had this, unfortunately, I had this stereotype that like all Trump voters were, you know, illiterate and uneducated. And I think, you know, what was helpful for me was to meet so many people who had advanced degrees, who were doing humanitarian or mission work, who were very, you know, who were, who, uh, who agreed with me that climate change was happening, you know, like all these things that I was like, I can't, what? Like, this is not what I was told that like this, you know, and, and I, again, it's just, there's so much nuance and so much complexity. And then as I really peeled back, it made sense that, wow, you like live in a more rural community. Of course, you're, you're so connected to the environment. Um, you're an angler. Like, of course, you're going to see like the changes in your environment, you know, and, and, and recognize that, you know, the climate is changing in the same way that I'm recognizing it too. Right. And so, you know, we came at it in different directions. We might use different words. You might use conservation. I might use climate change, you know, but it, we're all talking about very similar things, um, at the heart of it. Um, but the optometrist story was so interesting because, I met this guy in the line of the Trump rally. We just started talking and he, you know, I got curious about him. I learned a, a lot of information about me. And then he started to ask me questions. Like I was saying it, you know, curiosity almost is contagious. It inspires the other person to be curious towards you. That's yeah. what I always tell people when they're like, you know, how do I, you know, but my, my, the people around me are being curious. When I go to that family reunion, like they're not being curious. Uh, like, how do I get them to be curious? And I was like, well, you're doing it wrong. If you're trying to if you have an agenda and you're trying to make them <laughs> curious, you're doing it wrong. You need to just come from your own place of curiosity and know that that will inspire people to be curious. Not everyone. There will be those few exceptions that you'll have to create boundaries for and be like, okay, enough is enough. I've tried for years. This is now harming me as a, and my well-being. And you sometimes have to like go no contact or create, you know, boundaries. But I think we cancel or cut people out of our lives a little bit too quick, a lot too quickly. Especially but, now. Um, yeah, yeah, especially now. Yeah. But yeah. that optometrist was, uh, started to be curious towards me and he just, he said something. He, I was working at the time on this queer faith, um, bridging project. And he was like, that sounds important. Like I, I really, and he basically affirmed, you know, the humanity and the equality of the LGBTQ community. And I was just so touched by that. Um, it was very healing because I grew up, you know, having, you know, being in an environment that was not affirming and, you know, especially a religious environment that wasn't affirming. And it's been so heart opening for me to see many faith traditions opening their doors, sometimes even having leaders who are from the LGBTQ community, because no one should 
be restricted from accessing the divine or God if that is a path that they choose, you know, like that, like we, we are all like, if that's what we all believe, we are all God's children. Like we should not be othering or harming people who have that real desire to, to be in relationship with, with their God. So that was, that was such a touching, surprising moment. Um, Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And you say in the book too, how you're walking away and people are like, you're racist and guys like, no, I'm not. And you're like, I'm actually on your side, but I'm here. And so it was like, yeah. well, tell us about that experience yeah, because so I like left, the side yeah. piece comes in, doesn't it? Like where it, you're like, yeah. where do I fit? Because we all want to belong. I think that's yeah. part of the tribalism or that sense of like, I'm yeah. picking a side because I don't want to be left behind. Totally. And this again goes back to the boundaries piece. Cause I was, you know, in, you know, I'd waited, I'd been in this, you know, you're in line for hours. I don't know if anyone's been to rallies, but you're in line for hours. You finally get into the arena, you sit down in your chair, and then, you know, there's like speakers after speakers before, you know, you know, um, Pence or Trump get on. And so at this point, Trump is speaking and it's like near the end of the night and I'm just exhausted. I'm just emotionally drained. <laughs> I just am hearing a lot of the same things that I've heard, um, you know, you know, Trump say at that, you know, you know, in 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 the media. And that was sort of like, OK, I, I feel like I know where this is going. I've been sitting here for like many hours at this point. So I left early. Um, and as I was walking out in the hallway in the in the arena, um, there was like a group of Trump voters because they had Trump gears on. And they were like, I was like, why are you leaving early? Like the man of the hour, like the person you're, you came to see is here. Like, I don't understand why you're leaving. And they're like, oh, once if we leave now, we can get ahead of like all the whole parking stuff. We're like parked really high in the like garage. Like there's no way we'll get out. Like, you know, we just need to get out now. And I was like, oh, I totally understand that. Like I do the same thing at events and stuff like that. Sometimes right, I'll like totally. early, like rush out the door. Like, no, we're going to pee when we get home, you know? Um, <laughs> but, um, so we're walking out together and there's a sea of counter protesters and they're all like singing and chanting. It's a very joyful thing. It's like something that I've recognized with. I've been on the front lines too with many of these kinds, like similar kinds of people. I'm more yes. aligned to them politically. Yeah. And then one guy pops out from, from that sort of that group and he points at us. We're coming out of the arena and they're protesting, you know, Trump's, um, you know, rally there. And this is in Minneapolis. And he says, you know, fuck you, you racist, get, get out of our city. Like, and it was just like, I was just like already so exhausted. And there was this vitriol, Mm. this othering from someone who I'm more alike politically, I would imagine. And they, it it sort of reminded me of like how people other me as an Asian person Mm. in this country of like, where did you, where are you really from? I've had people literally say ching chong to me, like when I'm walking past, like just like very othering things. And um, to just feel that without being known, like it, he didn't ask any questions. He wasn't curious about me. Like he he just assumed and, and his assumption makes sense. Like I'm coming out of a Trump rally, but even still like to yell that towards anyone is so dehumanizing. And I just, I, I just, it just made me realize that's kind of what we're doing all the time, right? On social media, um, in our own relationships as we're, we're so angry, we're so in pain, we're experiencing such injustices, such suffering that the thing that we react to do is to like yell and scream expletives and say, get out of here, like get out of this family, get out of the city. And it's really pushing people away, you know, rather than calling them in. And trying to understand 
why are they voting in this way? What are the values that are driving them? Because we might even be transformed by hearing the stories that they have to share. I mean, I know I was when I talked to people in the Trump rally. And so, I mean, it didn't change. I didn't vote for Trump, you know, in the next election, but like it definitely shifted the way that I thought about the people who voted for him. And so it was actually, that was a hard moment. That wasn't a fun moment. That was a, whew, like, can we, can we get through this? Like, will we actually be able to move through this moment in our country and i remember like sitting in my car and like the car with key was in the ignition it was like ding 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 you know it was just like come on put on your seatbelt like let's go and i was watching people starting to mill out and this like little kid in trump gear he was like reaching he was like running and then jumping up to try to hit like the light on the top of the ceiling of the parking garage and i used to do that when i was a kid and i was like oh my gosh like i totally remember doing that trying to like pretend i you know like trying to see as how high i could reach you know trying to hit the ceiling and his mom was like laugh or who I assumed was his mom was like laughing and um, just like really joyful. And then I drove out and then I saw these counter protesters starting to like leave with their signs and everything. And this one woman was like holding on to their friend, just like, she was just like, you know, they were just like laughing, just like, just totally heart open. They were, they're almost like collapsing on the floor. They had to like hold on to their friend. <laughs> That's the best. You, like, you yes. stay up. And yes. I was just like, oh my God, I've been there too. Or I'm just like laughing so hard that I just like need like my friend to stabilize me. Um, I, yeah. So it was just like, wow. The, those that's the humanity that I think we can all access that we're all trying to find. And it only comes when we really humanize and be, and we are really truly curious about one another or else we are going to yell those things and other each other. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, yeah, that's the story of, of, of being yelled at because they left the Trump rally. So no, yeah, I think it was yeah. an important story to share though, yeah. because you did something that I would say the majority of people would never do. Yeah. And I think if we lived in a world where you represented the way that we approach life, we would be living in such a beautiful world. Mm -hmm. And so I told you before we started recording, I really was brought to tears by your book because it just feels like we are heading this wrong direction. And I do mm -hmm. feel like your book, your book brought me hope. And mm. I just want to, yeah, I want to acknowledge you for that. Like I was like, oh mm. yeah, it's, and I'm sorry if I use the word fun, but it's not that it was a fun story. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's more that it was yeah. like, that's so, it was kind of cool to me, not what happened yeah. to you, but the fact that you could walk that. Yeah. So many yeah. people can't, they could yeah. never, they could never. And in fact, they're just listening to their echo chambers with like the sources of media and all that stuff. And uh, you know, you, we're never going to get to that place of connection if we keep just doubling down on what's yeah. safe and familiar. I will say, though, that, you know, I'm not expecting because I can be very daunting to go to a oh, yeah. you know, rally. That's what a, I'm saying. A, that's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Most people yeah, yeah. do that. Yeah, I don't, yeah. you know. And that's yeah. OK. And that's OK, actually, because, you know, it's just like, you know, I was talking about this, you know, with you earlier that it's just a, it's like running or, um, you know, going to the gym to lift weights. Right. Like you don't at the beginning of your journey with curiosity start by like bench pressing 400 pounds or whatever or, or you know, running a whole marathon. Right. You just start slowly and you condition, you get used to it, you build up the muscles. 
And, you know, it's the same for curiosity, right? Like you can get curious towards yourself even before you go out there and try it on someone else. You know, what are, you know, what are you feeling in this moment? How did that make you feel? What do you need right now to, you know, feel most alive or to feel, you know, nourished? Um, uh, you know, who are the people right now that are giving you, um, you know, a sense of deep connection or, or where are the places where you feel like you want to devote more time into your relationships? Like that is curiosity towards yourself inward curiosity. Yes. And you can practice that and build up that muscle and then go out and talk to other people. And you don't even have to start at the rally, right? Like you can start with the people who you feel safest with, who you love the most, who you spend the most time with. You know, try to ask a little more questions to your teenager at home or to your, you know, your romantic partner or to your colleagues, you know. You know, try to, you know, instead of just wanting to, you know, bring your own point of view across, you know, you kind of like, you know, create spaciousness and stillness in yourself and, and say, you know, I really, really want to understand where you're coming from. That's important to me. You matter to me, your, your, your opinions and your perspectives and your beliefs and, you know, how you move through the world matters to me. Like, tell me more about that. I want to, I want to hear it. Tell me more. That's, that's like one of the keys of curiosity. Right. And, and then the other piece is once you start to really exercise that, then you can start taking it out if you want to, to, you know, these more, sort of um, scarier or uncomfortable places. It might be that tense conversation you have to have with your sibling, you know, or maybe that difficult conversation you have to have with your partner, you know, like, or with your boss, you know, that those are all, you know, things that you can work towards by really, really, you know, and then when you enter that conversation, your muscles will be so just like beefed up and ready that you'll have the best chance of staying in that mode of curiosity to really open up, you know, the opportunity for connection, for healing, and to really transform that relationship, you know, towards one that's much more positive and where you both are really understanding one another and are heard and seen and valued. Yes. And talk to us. So is inward the best place to start? Because I know in the book you talk about there's inward, yeah. there's three parts, right? Yeah. Tell us the three parts, because I think yeah. this is helpful for people to like play with too themselves. Yeah. So there's inward, outward, and the beyond. Those are the three directions of curiosity. So inward, how do I get curious about myself? Yes. Outward, how do I get curious about other people and the world around me? And then the beyond, how do I get curious about what's not in the physical realm? That's often the divine or God for folks, but it could be consciousness or interconnection. It could be our ancestors. It could be seven generations from now. Um, there's a lot of ways to look at the beyond as well. Yes. So I do usually recommend that if folks are feeling like, I don't know where to start, I do usually have them start from, um, well, first I actually have them say, you know, out of those three directions, which ones do you tend to do? You know, like, and they'll be like, yes. oh, I'm very curious about other people, but, you know, I'm not very curious about myself, to be honest, or like, I, I try to, you know, like that's like, for me, it was a dis- disassociative tool for me to be curious about other people. So I didn't have to look inward, you know, yes. in my younger years, you know? Yes. And so, you know, I think that's helpful to see, okay, where am I really directing my curiosity most often in my life? Mm. Where am I directing at least often? And then how do I then devote energy, you know, towards that direction, you know, to really just you know, ease into, you know, something that feels a little bit more uncomfortable or a little less present in my life. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it that I also recommend is to start inward because when you really know yourself and you practice these, um, you know, the practice, there's, you know, a bunch of practices and seek like everyday curiosity practices that you can do when you practice that inwardly, you also get to know 
you have a familiarity with how that feels, the sensation it brings up in your body, emotionally, how that makes you feel. And that's really good intel for when you're using those same practices with other people, because you can empathize with where they might be coming from. You can't assume because everyone's different and everyone reacts and responds in different ways, but you have at least a more embodied understanding of how these mm. practices work. And so I also like to recommend, you know, try try these inward, you know, no matter what, you know, even if you do inward curiosity a lot, try, try to start there too. Yeah, I love that. And I also, you're right. I think a lot of people um, are afraid to look within. Yeah. So yeah. if, and it is the foundation. So if they yeah. can give themselves that same level of curiosity and compassion, what a beautiful place to start. Yeah. 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 How do you absolutely. do it with the beyond? You know, what's yeah. your practice? Do you have practices around that or? Yeah. Well, I think that for me, curiosity isn't something that we have to do alone. Like it's not this, you know, although my road trip was sort of a solo endeavor, curiosity yeah. is not a solo endeavor. It is something that we can do in our family units, in our communities. And that is honestly the most joyous part, I think, of of curiosity. You know, I love a good meal alone. Sometimes I just like going to that restaurant, if I can get that one dinner alone, you know, and just like, you know, <laughs> just kind of be with myself, like maybe have my book or just kind of like gate, you know, people watch. Solo activities are definitely good. It's good to like have those moments with ourselves, but it's also really joyous to eat around a table full of other people, you know, and to really like, you know, have that shared experience. And the same is true for curiosity. We can do a lot of this on our own, but to do it with our family unit or to do it with, you know, a spiritual community, you know, whether that's a sangha or like, uh, you know, you go with, I went with friends to like a Dharma talk. I, you know, have gone to singles ward to learn about Latter-day Saints. I've, you know, I've gone to, uh, I went to the Harvard Divinity School for this workshop that our, that friends were putting on where different faith leaders and, and, and folks of different faith traditions were coming together. Um, so that's been really helpful for me to just, you know, say yes and be curious about the invitations I get, right? Like if I was incurious when my friend asked me to come to Shabbat with them and I was incurious and I was like, no, like that's, I'm not, I don't know what that is. I'm not interested in it. Like, I don't want to do that. You know, then I wouldn't have seen like this magical experience that happens on Fridays for them. And just this, this, uh, you know, this bring, you know, the values of what it means to bring people together, to rest, to, you know, really all these things that I've been learning, you know, um, you know, what hollow tastes like, you know, just like things that are like, just only can happen if we stay open to the experiences that others sort of invite us into. We have to walk through, step through that door. Um, that's a big part of, of curiosity is, is you have to say yes to, you know, those invitations. And, um, so yeah, I think for me, the beyond has really been being in community with people, mm. especially spiritual elders mm. who are, you know, deeply in touch with, um, you know, the path, the divine, um, they have their own sets of rituals that they can share with me and others. Um, you know, I try to find, I seek out workshops. A lot of, some of them are, most of the, a lot of them are free because I think faith traditions are really, they value accessibility. They want people yes. to really, you know, immerse themselves into their teachings and practices. And it's a hit or miss, you know, honestly, like sometimes I'm in like some spaces and I'm like, wow, this is, I'm going to stay curious, but I, you know, I'm feeling all kinds of things and it, it's not making it easy for me to access, you know, the beyond. Yeah. And then other times I, you know, even if what I'm hearing is something new or even something challenging, there's this sense of like, huh, like 
you know, I am a little uncomfortable, but this feels right for me to be here. And so I try to seek out those spaces. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And I think that's nice for people to be able to hear like how they might be able to access that. Um, Talk to us about deep curiosity because you... Well, I'm curious, can can I ask you how you access those things? Because I'm always surprised. Well, it's interesting. I loved what you said about sitting around a table because I think I grew up sitting around the family dinner Mm. table and then Mm. I love being in a meal with someone. Mm. So for me, a piece of joy is uh, is literally sitting with the people I love or even friends, like just around and like literally the idea of breaking bread. There's something really spiritual and beautiful about that. It is. Um, I think mine oftentimes, well, I've had experiences that have connected me to Mm. things that you can't explain. Mm. And I don't talk Mm. about them that often. Mm. I wrote Mm. about it a little bit in my Mm. book, but um, again, why don't I share that stuff? I don't know, because maybe I think people aren't going to be open or they'll like judge you or something, Mm. but Mm. I've had those experiences. So that gives me a deep faith. Mm. And I journal with God. For me, it's like mm. literally like I'll connect and I'll say, God, what do I need to know about this? Mm. And the answer, Scott, every single time for over a decade, the first two words are the same of every journaling session with whether you want to call it God or higher power. For me, it's mm-hmm. God, love yourself. Mm. That's what kind of prompted like mm. me teaching about self-love and embracing it. I think we often teach what we need to embody Absolutely. And learn ourselves. So that's sort of that. been my my journey with it. But a lot, of, but I like it. I like what you're saying, and I love those experiences where you're connected to something new or different. And you you wrote about in the book the women you called them the nuns and the what was it the nuns, nuns and nuns yeah nuns, nuns and nuns, nuns. Yeah, yeah I know and yes yeah. and the nuns yeah where they put themselves and they could share their experiences of like so such a beautiful beautiful that pro- sounded like beautiful so cool community. can you just yes. tell, t- tell a little bit about yeah. this because i mean just for somebody to uh, like expand their yeah. access because maybe it's yeah. through a book maybe somebody hears the podcast maybe then somebody takes yeah, a totally. step and does something well before i do that i just wanted to respond to two things that you said and then i will yeah. explain nuns and nuns um one is a, a friend casper once told me that the dinner table is one of our best spiritual technologies you know it's it's just a it can, like you said, it's it's not just about food and like putting calories into your mouth. Right. It's about, you know, being in community mm. and sharing meals mm. and having those conversations and laughing and singing and dancing, if that's where it gets you, you know, like I, totally. you know, I've been at many kinds of really beautiful um dinners, but even just like the act of just being in conversation and sharing meals together. Yes is a spiritual experience. I really, really believe that. And I, it's so important to me too. So I just wanted to like, yes, so agree with you. And the other thing I was going to say is when I was hearing you say, you know, I don't know why I don't share these things or my poems or my songs or, you know, these things um, haven't (laughs) shared that writing before. That's a great place to be curious, like, you know, and to be, and to be lovingly curious towards yourself. And, um, you know, what the research says is that when we're ang- anxious about something or fearful, yeah. you know, applying curiosity to it and coming into contact with it can actually reduce our fear and anxiety, right? Like that's when you have a phobia, you know, you are afraid of spiders, you know, you like start to imagine a spider in your head. You see one printed on a piece of paper, you see one in real life, you know, maybe eventually you hold one if you're, you know, you want to take it that far, you know, but coming into contact closer and closer with frequency and consistency really does reduce, you know, the fear that you have towards them. And also maybe might restory that spider. You might recognize like, 
you know, I was on uh, another show and she said, you know, they're kind of like grandmas, like knitting, like, you know, knitting, you know, don't they kind of look like that with their legs? And I'm like, whoa, like that's like a bridge for me. But like, you know, you start to restory like, oh, wow. Like there's all of these wonderful narratives and stories about spiders. Like, why do we think in such a negative way? Like who made us believe that, you know, what in culture made us believe that a spider is a bad thing when they're so important for the ecosystem. Right. So, Mm. so those are the kinds of, you know, when we can truly be curious you know, we start to access, you know, things like being able to love ourselves or to love others or to love a spider or other life species and, <laughs> and see them more yeah. fully and, yes. and, and, and be really courageous in, in that, in that affirmation. Um, and, and just nuns and nuns is so wonderful. I mean, I just like love them. They all truly to me are like just walking the talk of curiosity. They are just, um, you know, they, it's a group of millennials that had, you know, this is how the program started. It has now, they now do land justice where they do a lot of different things. You can look them up online for anyone that's interested in nuns. Wait, and nuns. is it called literally called nuns and nuns? Because I'll nuns, link yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Nuns and N-U-N-S, nuns and nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And okay. so nuns are, you know, women religious, you know, yeah. they're Catholic sisters, you know, I, you know, there, um, many people know, uh, what a nun is, but a nun, N-O-N-E-S, a nuns is, is someone that is like a millennial or younger who doesn't really have maybe like a specific organized religion yes. that they like really fall into. doesn't mean they're not spiritual. doesn't mean they're not spiritually seeking. <laughs> they just don't have, like, they're not like, yeah. I am this, you know, yes. or they am like, I am this, but also I have like other rituals and traditions that yes, come from that this faith. And not, this. Yeah, yes. exactly. Exactly. Yes. Like it's, the, the boundaries are not so rigid. Sarah, who I interviewed for the book, she said, um, you know, we're like, uh, like, she's really like, it's like spiritual misfits, you know, it's kind of like Cute. how she sees herself. And, and I was like, I thought that was kind of a, a good, um, uh, sort of way of, of thinking about it. It's a very empowering way of thinking about it. Um, but they had started this whole, you know, program organization, the effort by, you know, coming a group of millennials had come to a convent where, you know, women religious were living and, uh, they, you know, it was literally in the fire season in, in California. Yeah. So there was like smoke billowing you know, oh, behind them. Yeah. They opened the doors and these sisters were like, hello, welcome. Like extended them, welcome, uh, you know, extended oh their arms and like, welcomed them in. And they lived there for six months and they, you know, they, they shared song, music, they danced, they had deep conversations, they reckoned with hard things. It wasn't always, you know, like easy and light, you know, obviously like there was like hard conversations and growth and, you know, a lot of deepening in their understanding of one another. Um, you know, when you looked at them, you know, they, they look so different. You had, you know, nuns on one side who were like typically are tend to be older. I think the at last I looked the average age of a nun was 80 in the United States. Um, not to say there aren't younger sisters and nuns um, or women religious, but yes. you know, they tend to be older. Yes. You know, they 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 have like, you know, they're of that generation. You can kind of see them on one side, they're, you know, and then on the other side, there's like, you know, this really dive, you know, ser- just very like, you know, they have tattoos and piercings and like, you know, uh, you know, like jewelry and like, you know, their hairs are different colors, you know, just like, you know, it's just like totally, they couldn't look so different, but when they actually spoke, it was almost like, and they sat, they sat in circles and they, they, they spoke with one another. Their language was so similar, actually, like the way in which they, they revered one another, respected one another, um, asked a lot of questions, came in with curiosity, not with judgment. 
And they they learned so much about one another. They they were just like I was talking about with the Trump rally. You know, nuns were able to see younger people in a totally new light. Um, to see them as like deeply spiritual and questioning these really big philosophical and and spiritual questions. And then in the opposite direction, they saw women religious as like, wow, these like extremely progressive, badass women who are like leading organizations and incredible like fundraisers and business leaders of like, you know, like hospitals and like are on the front lines and are, you know, not just those habit wearing clothier, you know, stereotypes that we have in our head. Not saying that that's what they had, but that's what I had, you know, after watching Sisters Act, I was like, because I never really met a nun. I was like, oh, are they all like that? I don't know. You know, I literally thought that I remember watching, you know, but it's a great movie, great movie. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, culture can, you know, really shape the ways that we see people in the world. So yeah. I think it's great. I think we, wait, I think there was a question and now I'm trying to remember if we're going to go back okay, to it. Sorry, oh, deep, like, deep curiosity. Deep curiosity, yes. Yes, because yes, yes. you asked me and then we went, but I yeah. want to bring it back because I think it's important because you talk about shallow versus deep and, you know, clearly we are in what you call an era of incuriosity and we want yes. to pull people to the curiosity, you know. Yeah. We won't say side. We want to <laughs> open them up to more curiosity. Yeah, to see the value of it. And then I think once people really try it, they really see the you know intrinsic. They, it's an intrinsically motivated it's fun. thing. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Join Look the party. Join. Having. This is yeah, great. Yeah. Talk to Scott uh, all day. <laughs> um, so I, I say that curiosity is on a spectrum. Okay. There's shallow on one side and deep on the other. Yes. So, you know, sh- and, and one's not better than the other. It's like the ocean. That's a great metaphor. So shallow. Yeah is, you know, it's just like getting information and some high level insights that just crack the surface of who a person is. So I like to use questions like, what's your name? Or what do you do for work? Or where do you live? You know, like those are, you know, they give you some insight. Yeah. But as you move on the spectrum of curiosity towards deep, deep curiosity, you actually dive beneath the surface and you start to see so much more that you wouldn't have noticed upon first glance or in a first conversation. So mm-hmm. you might ask, what's the story of your name, right? And the story of your name might be giving you know, insights on your culture and the people who named you and your relationship with them and how you feel about your name, you know, and like all of these other things that can come so from that. True. You, know, you might ask the question, um, you know, out of anything in life, like what is really making you come alive right now? Right. And, you know, unlike what do you do for a job, like this might reveal to you, you know, passions or people who are really important to their meaning making or, you know, how they wish to spend their times, their dreams, their aspirations, um, the aliveness that maybe they're feeling right now, because they're so lucky to be on a path of, of, of purpose. Um, so, so I think deep curiosity is, it's it's really exciting because you get to really understand someone in a much much deeper way but you don't necessarily always start there even though yes. that's where we want to go and want to get like the richness and be in the connection yes. you don't like go to you don't meet someone a stranger for the first time or like go to a conference and meet someone for the first time and say like you know tell me like this like w- the hardest struggle you've ever been through right. in your life like right, tell me right. about like, you haven't earned break, that you know maybe. like yeah, what's yeah, your, yeah, yeah you haven't earned it you haven't yeah. like built that like relationship that trust so yes. I'm not going to tell you about my heartbreak <laughs> you know like right. I don't know you I mean what are you going to do with that and what exactly, are you going to do exactly with that? exactly we have a vigilance yeah. because we know that in this culture we yes. have to protect ourselves unfortunately yes. that's just yes. like what we have to do you know that and that that's an important thing to do yeah. um so that that is really really important to remember and also it's just making me think about consent curiosity 
you know, is, you know, not deserved, right? It is really earned, right? You mm-hmm. can, you know, you can be curious about someone, but they might say like, oh, I'm just like, I don't think that I can answer that question right now. Or like, I haven't, I don't feel like I want to have this conversation in this moment right now. And that's, so you have to be okay with that. You have to extend that grace. And also there are things that, you know, you shouldn't, you know, you know, you know, um, sort of exert your curiosity on, you know, you, you know, there are certain like protections, for instance, legally as a hiring manager that you can't ask someone that you're trying to hire. Right. Like, so, so, so there are limits of course, to, to curiosity so that we aren't, you know, asking all these questions about someone's disability that's making them feel, you know, sort of, um, you know, targeted or put under a microscope or made to feel other, or, you know, that's demeaning or, yes. you know, you know, we have, that we can't be ableist with our, with our curiosity as an example, we can't, you know, ask, you know, yeah, uh, questions that enforce people to answer them either. So the consent is very important as well. Yeah. Well, I think deep, I mean, yeah, I like, I think I had a guy on the show talking about perfectionism and I was like, mm. well, if I, if it's not good enough is underneath that, just a feeling of not love, you know, feeling you're lovable if you don't do well or something. It's like, well, we're going deep. I'm like, that's what I do on the yeah, show. Yeah, we yeah. had a good laugh, you know, but it's yeah, like, yeah. but you want to get to the heart of things, especially yeah. when it's like, you know, he was a professor and we were talking yeah. about his book on perfectionism. Totally. But so in certain contexts, it, there's a natural flow where, you know, we had just met, but there's like a social contract, you know, like we yeah. kind of signed a, yeah, like we had, there was an agreement, you know, that we would yeah, do that. And also right. if I wasn't okay with it, I would be like, hey, like, want to go there with you eventually yeah like maybe not something i want to discuss on the air like i've totally. actually said that before you know like that's no, and that's totally. okay too you know totally yeah. or even when you were asking me i was like oh would i talk about that like okay but there's clearly something there so you've yeah. given me a gift in that mm-hmm. way because mm-hmm. now you've sort of put a spotlight on something i'm like yeah why do i why do i do that why aren't mm-hmm. i sharing that more mm-hmm. so i appreciate that so even if somebody does put up the boundary, you may actually be opening up something for them to do the inside work, which we talked about before. Um, We're coming close towards the end of the time. Talk to me a little bit without maybe, I don't know if we have time for the whole dive model, but the values piece, let's go to the values. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll just say that the dive model is like the four core muscles of deep curiosity, how to access it, how to practice it. And it's an acronym. So D-I-V-E, they all stand for different things. So V in the dive model is value which is to see the dignity of the person you're being curious with, which could be yourself. You know, you could be just getting curious about yourself and why do I do those things or why don't I show up in these ways or, you know, like, what is that about? Um, But it also often is about extending that value towards another person, right? And what we know from the research is that when we dehumanize someone, when we, and this happens throughout history, you know, people are reduced to savages, to, you know, animals, to, um, you know, uh, the other, you know, uh, they do things in this really just like sub-evolved way, you know, like all of this dehumanizing language, psychologically, what that does when we dehumanize a group of people is it makes it much easier for us to hate them and to want to inflict harm on them. It it puts a distance between us and them. And by putting them on a different level beneath us, we are more, we feel that it is okay and it is justified for us to hate them, to exert violent, you know, violence on them. And 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 that is what we're seeing often, honestly, like in today's culture, this era of incuriosity, we're seeing so much 
dehumanization. I mean, so much just like reducing people. I literally, it's so horrible, but it's, I mean, it's unfortunately the case that like we are still seeing these kinds of words like savages, um, you know, or, or just like even reducing people to beneath humans because of the, 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 the geographical place they grew up in, the faith traditions that they follow. And um, it really makes it so difficult for us to be curious towards someone who we are dehumanizing, right? But paradoxically, when we are very curious about someone else and we really want to understand them, we want to say like, I, I know, I like, I want to know, I, I've never met someone who is indigenous, who's on the reservation. I've never met someone who, you know, um, is from, you know, it has practices this, you know, is, is Muslim, like whatever the, you know, whatever it is, you know, if when you really just come from a place of deeply understanding them and wanting to connect with them and, you know, and, and extending that, that humanity towards them, what it does is it actually humanizes them. It humanizes them because you're learning about like their family and their kids and, um, you know, the, their love for baseball or like their, you know, their, you know, their, the funny, embarrassing thing that they just did or where they find joy from, or, you know, you, you go to that, you know, event together and you're like boogieing down on the dance floor, you know, in that one fun moment, you know, and you start to see them in this, in this full way. And that's kind of where we started with this conversation. So this is a sort of a great place to sort of, uh, sort of like, end. but like, it's, it's just, you know, that's what I'm hoping for with this book with seek is, is I don't want just people to be curious for the sake of being curious because it's a pleasurable thing. Like that. I mean, that's great. Yes. Please do it. If that's what motivates you. But at the end of this journey, like the, the, you know, I think the real, real benefit of curiosity when we take it deep, is that we can humanize one another, we can love one another, and it doesn't mean we have to give up what we believe. When a Christian is deeply curious about a Muslim, it doesn't mean that they're giving up their beliefs. When I am deeply curious about someone who voted for Trump, it doesn't mean that I'm voting for Trump. No, we can have our beliefs. It's not about consensus, erasure, or defending views, or platforming views. It's just about simply from an open-hearted place, deeply understanding this beautiful, messy, complex, nuanced person in front of you. And if we can do that, then that person, as a result of your curiosity, will feel heard, will feel seen, will feel understood, and will feel like they matter. And that is what this is about. This is about people feeling like they matter. Because we live in a society where people do not feel like they matter, where their voices doesn't matter, their bodies doesn't matter, their lives don't matter. So that is what we're trying to do here with Deep Curiosity is how do we make sure that every single person feels like they matter, right? And so that is so, so core. And I'm so glad you 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 talked about the V because that's what the value is all about in the dive model. Yeah. And as you're talking, I just literally had my hand on my heart. It's like, I could just like take a deep breath because like the mm. energy of the world right now literally just feels like a shouting match and mm. it's got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I yeah. do feel hopeful from what you've talked about. And, you know, Scott's book covers how it, you know, it's connected to business and how it can be used there and connected to creativity and, you know, why we don't want to make assumptions. Like there's so much depth to your book, mm. but the reason I did focus on this and we talked about it, like in the beginning yeah. is that it's, I think this book is going to be timeless and it is so important right now. Mm -hmm. And I do encourage everyone to pick up a copy. Is, is there something I didn't ask today? And you're like, you know, I really just want to make sure Michelle's audience hears this. Like, is there anything that calls mm -hmm. to you? Mm -hmm. 
I think this is such a beautiful entry point. And I, you know, I would just say like, I, I'm very open to hearing from, you know, anyone about what they thought of the book. And, um, you know, I want to have these conversations. That's why I became an author. I love to have those like one-on-one conversations and like, oh my God. And like talk about the topics that I'm really curious and excited about too, and understand your world and your lives. And, um, so please reach out, you know, and, and, um, if you want, if you, if you particular, you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I have this hard conversation that I have with my kid at home or, you know, with my partner. And, you know, I would love some curiosity strategies or, you know, or, Hey, I tried this curiosity practice from your book and here's what it did for me. Like, I would love to hear you and to hear from you and to also just like be in a conversation with you about that. Um, it can even be in a light way where we're just like sending messages back and forth. It doesn't have to be like on a call or something. So I just really like with my heart extend that um, and want to try to continue throughout my career to make space for that because that's really important for me. So that's the last thing that I just really wanted to to share. And, um, you know, please, you know, join, join us in ordering the book. Would love to hear your thoughts. And um, yeah. And thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm just really grateful for you and um, for the space that you held for us. Not, it's truly your gift. It's truly your gift. Like you are so radiant. Like from the second you popped on the screen, I just felt <laughs> oh immediately, even, even just the form you filled out on the website about yeah. what we were going to connect about today, I could feel your warmth. Mm. And that is such a, I am getting emotional because it's just such a quality that I think we all have the capacity for if we yes. could take down some of our defenses and allow more of that loving and that that curiosity so that we mm-hmm. can connect, but you do it so beautifully and so naturally. Mm. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like, I feel uh, this is going to sound weird in some way, but somewhat healed or something mm. just from having mm. sat with you. So oh gosh, I'm so Anna. grateful you wrote this book. I'm so grateful you're doing the work that you're doing. Mm. I can't wait to see what you do next and like mm. how you keep evolving this because this is why you're here. I have no doubt in it. I think one of my superpowers is seeing what's other mm. people's gifts and mm. truly like it's so resonant in every cell mm. of you. And I'm mm. so grateful. Um, I, I always end just with a fun question, which is what, cause it's the good life. What's, what's your yeah. um, definition of a good life, Scott? How do you define a good life? Especially now? I mean, probably evolving for you. Yeah. But- well, thank Thank you so much for saying that. And I, I just, you, you matter so much and the, like who you are as a person, the work you're doing in the world, the, the poetry you're writing, the songs you're that singing, nobody's gonna hear. the laughter, <laughs> maybe we don't know. We don't know the we future. Don't know. You know? Yeah. The, the, the tables that you sit around, like you matter. And so I'm just so deeply grateful to be in conversation with you and everyone that's listening into, I want to just extend that as well. Like you really do matter. Like, and that, that is is so, so important for you to take in um, as you go on this journey of curiosity um, and know that you can actually ignite that in other people too when you're deeply curious about them. The good life to me is, uh, and I truly mean this, it's it's a deeply curious one. The good life is one where, you know, I'm always staying open to new people and new experiences, to growth, to new understandings of myself, of the divine, um, and deepening my connections and finding spaces where my curiosity takes me to healing. And um, so that's the good life to me. What's the good life for you today? For me, the good life is being in conversation with you. <laughs> that's so nice. No, it's so true. This is <laughs> yeah. so soul giving this whole conversation. Oh. And it's like I said, it's like my favorite topic, like curiosity. Mm-hmm. When this book hit my desk from the PR firm, I'm like, yes, I don't even have to open it. I can just feel this is going to be 
the one, but truly it's just being able to be present in the moment with another curious soul, having a conversation that hopefully reaches someone else's heart and sparks something bigger than both of us, because we are truly one. We are one, we are connected. And that's, you know, the having, finding that meaning is really at the heart of the show. Um, Scott's book again is seek how curiosity can transform your life and change the world. Um, I'm going to direct everyone to your website, which is, tell us where to find the book, so Scott. Seek, seekthebook.com. Seekthebook.com. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of the show notes for today will be over at thegoodlifecoach.com. I'll have Scott's handles, his book, um, anything we talked about today. I think we mentioned that nuns and nuns, you know, if people are curious or whatever, all mm-hmm. the resources will be there. Share this with a friend, open your heart to curiosity. Scott gives you plenty of tools in the book about how to do it. But I just think anything that connects us to our humanity really needs to be a priority right now. So yeah. yes. Thank yes. you. What yes. a joy. Thank you. Truly, what a joy. What a joy. So fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. The dopamine is flying right now. So this is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, Thanks, Scott. Michelle. I've loved Thanks. this conversation. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.